Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Paul Freels. And I'm Dave Guzman. And welcome to Practical Base, where our mission is to help you elevate your gigs and gear by exploring a new practical topic in being a working bassist each week. You can find us on the web at practicalbase.com. You can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com. You can also find us on iTunes, on Google Play Music, on Stitcher Radio, and through the website. You can use us with any podcatching app that you have on your computer or mobile device. And uh, we do welcome your feedback uh, on this show and any ideas that you have for future shows. We'd love to hear from you and uh, we'd love to connect with you guys and hear about your experiences as uh, as a working bassist. Um, so Dave, what are we going to talk about today? I think this was one of your pet topics, right? It was, yeah. So Paul, today we're going to talk about when your sound goes sideways. So, this isn't like an excursion into wine country. Right. right? Where <laughs> right. Paul Giamatti right. takes a road trip with <laughs> right. you. Because that actually sounds pretty great, actually. It, it does. Going through Napa. Because it would be a good situation. Yeah. With your bass and Paul Giamatti. Right. No, this is, fun. this is the, this is the bad sideways. This is like not the, sh- not the straight, but the, you know, the left turn. Yeah. Like left turn into the badlands. Yeah. The, the rut row. <laughs> the rut row. That, that's a technical Ruh-roh, term. Raggy? Yeah. That's a technical <laughs> term. Oh my gosh. So, so where did this, where did this topic spring from? Just, you know, from the mind of Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, put this topic in the, uh, in the pool because, uh, it was the day after I, um, I was playing a gig and it was at a small, a really small venue, like a kind of a French restaurant, but it's in the, like where the, the specific like breakout of the space was just this kind of cube that everyone it's the drummers like all the way in the back and you know, there's walls all around and then it opens up into the room. It's just the corner. It's so, like, yes, yeah, so you're jammed into like almost an alcove or something. Exactly. What happened is right from the start, my sound was just bad. Like when I tested it at first, it sounded fine. And something, something happened where all of a sudden I'm playing, I'm just in mud. I'm swimming through mud. All the high end is off. And what it did for me is it, you know, it threw my, my head out. So I'm, I'm not focused on the music, on what we're playing. I'm just completely like dwelling in the fact that my sound is wrong. Like there's no way to have fun at that type of gig because you're like, you weren't enjoying your own sound. Yeah. And the, so the fun goes out, then all of a sudden you're thinking about the vocals and what you're doing there. And that probably sounds bad. Then you're thinking about the notes and then you know, just regular changes that you normally do in your song are all of a sudden wrong. You're slipping up. And I realized I was in that hole. I was in that, that black hole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really, for me, it's the, like, if you're playing a lot of shows, it's the inevitable. You're, you're, you're always going to hit up a space where something's not working right. 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 And so, you know, for me, it was just one of those situations where like, I wake up the next morning and it's one of those better call Paul moments. Like, <laughs> Paul, this happened. I, I'm going to have my own AMC show soon. Better call Paul. Better call Paul. <laughs> when the bass goes sideways. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that. Like that turmoil made me think. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only person that this happens to. Like it, it because it happened not often, but every now and then I'm just in a space where it's 
it just doesn't turn out right. And I, it, it's a downward spiral. And so I thought there's gotta be a way to like better manage this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're definitely not the only person who's run into this. You know, I've had, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had like sound goes bad on stage. And, you know, I, I usually operate as sound man for my band too. So, right. There are all sorts of things on top of the bass that can go wrong. Right. And that's a whole, I mean, that's a whole other podcast channel unto itself yeah. probably. Yeah, Cause now you're multiplying. Right. Now right. we're on everybody else's sound. Yeah. There's like an order of magnitude, more problems that can happen. But <laughs> in terms of the bass, you know, I've had that, I've had that gremlin kind of hit me numerous times. I mean, just, just a few weeks ago, I remember doing a small gig with my band and we come back from break and, you know, I have everything is set basically for, you know, tuner mode or whatever. So I pick up my bass, I do my tuning, et cetera, et cetera. And for whatever reason, right. I make the bonehead error of, you know, not given those couple quick boop boop, just make sure that like the things are happening. The tester groovy, right? Right. Drummer starts off the groove for the song, right? And we come yeah. to the we come to the top, and I hit a string, and nothing comes out. It's and perfect. Yeah, and I just like you know, and of course, like within a beat, I'm basically looking around at everybody. I'm like you know, telling the drummer and kind of giving him the giving him the, you know, bring it back around, yeah. keep it rolling, you know, making sure the guitar player sees me. And I'm like, yeah, get, just, you know, give me a vamp while I figure out what's going on here and then have to figure out what happened. And it turned out that something had got unplugged when people right. were leaving the stage. They, somebody probably tripped over a cable or, yep. yeah. And it was, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it'll, it just throws you right. You're, you're, you know, you're having a great gig and suddenly, or you're preparing to have a great gig and then suddenly, you know, the carpet gets just yanked out from under you and that's just, it's no fun. Yeah. Then you're all like frontal lobe survival tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and it's, it's, it's a funny topic for me because I feel like the only time I'm never, I always think about, wow, it'd be great if I, like at every gig, if I could just really tune my sound to that venue, right? But that's mm -hmm. totally impossible. So um, when I'm trying to figure out my amp and my settings and, you know, my, my bass, it's usually within my own home studio, which is like anybody else's home, like a room, right? A small room. Right. With furniture in it. Right. Enclosed your, your man in. cave or or lady cave, whatever the case may be. Yeah, a little bigger than a closet. Yeah, not much bigger, and the sound is always great because you're just like two feet away from it, and it's always just it has that milkiness. You can hear the highs because you're right there. It's perfectly set in for that room, but that's that's just one room. So you know, there's you know all these different the the sound that I feel you know that that you get when you're working on your equipment is always going to be completely different than any other venue. Yeah. Well, you get to control every, every aspect, right? You determine like where your amp's sitting, where you're sitting. You don't have to worry about being in someone else's way or yep. how much room you have or where are the cables running and, you know, and it's, and, and you have endless time to twiddle everything to make it perfect. Right? Exactly. At home, it's great because everything can be under your control. Yeah. And you're not competing with other 
musicians. It's yeah. just you. Just yeah. you and the bass. Yeah. And and everything can sound great there, but then, you know, suddenly when you're in the the playing uh you know, the playing situation, there's like you said, there's other instruments to compete with and what sounded great, maybe that setting sounded great at home. Right. And you bring your amp in and suddenly it doesn't sound good when you get together with all the other instruments. Like maybe the bass is getting lost or maybe it's really loud and annoying and your bandmates think you're, you know, the, uh, they look at you funny and they're like, yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's something, something doesn't sound right. 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 How do you pick up like where you are compared to your bandmates? I find that there are a lot of people that I play with who don't necessarily key in on the bass sound itself. And so I try to, you know, I definitely invite feedback, right? I think one of the most important things you can do is definitely ask, right? Ask for feedback and invite it. Like ask your bandmates, you know, am I too loud? Do I sound too boomy or do I sound very... You know, do I sound really twangy to you or really like too crispy? Um, yep. You know, you can use, there's like a whole lexicon of words. You can try <laughs> so many to adjectives. describe your sound, <laughs> you know, and they'll tell you, oh yeah, well it's, it's barking, but it's not growling, right? Like, <laughs> like it's, I'm not an animal. <laughs> but I mean, you can, you can definitely get some feedback that way. Uh, you know, I find that, I find that opening the door for that feedback is important, right? Don't be yeah. afraid to hear from your bandmates about it. But honestly, a lot of the bands I play in, you know, they're really kind of just depending on me to do my part. And um, they're not going to get super, super critical about the bass, right? The, other than like if I'm really loud and causing the stage volume to go up, um, I think I actually have maybe the opposite issue, whereas sometimes I really don't turn up as much as maybe some people would like me to. Right. And so they they have to tell me to turn up. I guess that in my mind, that's if I have to make an error, that's the way I'd like to err, right? Just not Absolutely. seem like a, you know, oh, it's all about me and the bass. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's true. It's it's definitely true. And and for the same reason why I think you have to ask your bandmates for you know, for that feedback, because they're in their own world. We're all getting set up. There's, you know, always a little bit of anxiety right before you hit a show. Right. And there, if, if, for example, you're too loud or too boomy, everyone will, has a tendency to play louder. Yeah. Right. To adjust to what, what's going on as opposed to saying, Hey, maybe you need to like dial it back. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the tendency is that you know, people don't want to get super critical, you know, about, about each other on stage because it, it doesn't set the stage for a fun gig. Right. Right. Um, and so people will just, there, there's kind of a give and take almost. And this is, you know, it's just part of the chemistry of a band to do that. Sure. Like a a balance of being self-aware, but at the same time of like asking for feedback and that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have that like ha- just yeah. I think that's really the advice we're trying to give up front is just you know number one at a gig, be you know be receptive to feedback, and if somebody asks you for it, you know be generous and gentle with it, right? right. And I think if everybody does that, you know you can have a great experience, even if something goes crazy wrong at the gig. It's true. You get along, and and everything will be okay. I mean. And there are things you can do 
physically, right, to set yourself up for maybe a better gig from the get-go, just in terms of getting your sound in a place that you like it to start with, right? right. Like set yourself up to maybe avoid some of the pitfalls. Um, one thing that comes to mind is if you have an amp that is rear ported, right? And by that, I yep. guess, you know, we mean if you look at the front and back of base cabinets, uh, oftentimes they're ported. And what that means is you'll see sort of an empty space that basically leads right back into the body of the cabinet. Like you can't really, a lot of times you can't really reach your hand back there, but there's clearly a space, Yep. right? And, you know, what that space is for is to allow some of the low bass information or sound waves to kind of like leak out through that port, through those ports. Right. It kind of accentuates the ultra low end. And you'll find those in some cabinets on the front and you'll find them in other cabinets on the back. Uh, I have, you know, the cabinets that I use primarily right now have rear ports on them. Right. And a lot of cabinets do, and, and some of them do that to save space, right? If you put ports in the front, you still have to have the entire grill for your speakers and then add ports to that. So the cabinet gets bigger, right? right? Taller or, yeah. Yeah, taller or wider, one or the other, yep. right? And if you put them in the back, then you can just build it into the profile of the cabinet, right? The cabinet doesn't have to get any bigger yep. than the grill on the front already is, if that makes sense. And so- you know, those rear ports, because they let the low end, the the super low end out through those ports, if you if you want, you can actually control the amount of low end boost on your amp on your cabinet by backing it up against a surface, right? Yep. And this is something that like in studios, you know, they tell you about um, setting up studio monitors is, you know, be careful about, you know, backing them up to a wall because essentially what you're going to do is the, you know, you're going to, your mix, like your mixes are going to sound very bass heavy. Yeah. And, you know, then suddenly you take your, your mix out to a regular room or a re or a well-tuned set of monitors or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it sounds really wimpy. Right. Because you were getting all this artificial low end. And the same thing is true of these base cabinets, right? You push up against a wall or a corner, yeah. especially a corner, and it just, I mean, it'll take the low end like through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually what happened to me in that, in that restaurant gig is that I, you know, I've got a rear port and when I took a second look at the set break, I realized I'm almost flush up against the wall that's it. I just rolled all my high end off and it sounds, it sounds, it sounded legit crazy. Yeah. Just crazy. Just like super boomy. Yeah. I think other than that, you know, at, at a gig, um, I will, I will often try not to be too crazy about the low end of my amp. Um, if I'm on a stage with a lot of people, like, you know, I've got like five or six members in a band. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe one's a keyboard player, um, you know, who's got, you know, kind of a lot of low end. There might be a sure. couple guitars. And of course the guitars have their own flavor of low end. Yep. Um, I will try not to over accentuate that in those, in those situations. Like I will, 
I wouldn't say, you know, I'll, I won't drain it out, right? Because the base is there for lows. But sometimes I'll yeah. kind of let, you know, I'll do a feed, a direct feed to the PA. And if we've got some subwoofers out there on the floor, yeah, I'll kind of let them carry some of it so it doesn't get so boomy right on the stage and that's that's a larger setup right and it either depends on you know either you're bringing that kind of equipment to the gig or maybe you're playing in a house with you know where they have their own front of house sound man who can take care of that for you right you know and in a smaller gig you may not have that luxury right all the low end that you're getting may have to be your amp right right and so you know i i think in those situations what I tend to do is try not to be too crazy with the low mids as opposed to the the actual low lows. Right. Right. Because the low lows, you're basically more or less you're competing with probably the kick drum. At, That's right. At worst. Right. Right. And not many other people. Like yeah. maybe and I'm thinking like this is in the 60 or 80 hertz region. And that's actually cool to kind of like lock that in with the kick drum, you know, be as loud as the kick drum, essentially. That's right. Yeah. And people on the stage are going to feel like that sounds like a good mix usually at that point. And the low mids, which it depends on the amp, but a lot of times those are going to be, I don't know, 200, 250 hertz or something like that. Depends yep. on the amp. And you know, look at your at your manufacturer manual. But if you find something that's in that area, I mean, I tend to like that's like, if I give it anything, it's going to be very little. I mean, I might even roll it off if the stage is boomy. I might take it back okay. a bit. Yeah. And so you're talking about the the low mid versus like the high mid. Do you yeah. do you manipulate the high mid at all, or is that also kind of flat? Well, I, I guess to taste. Um, if you know active bases, I, I usually leave it flat. But if I have a yeah. passive base, I might actually. That's usually the area that I like to scoop out just a bit uh, by default, right? Because right. I like having sort of a little bit of a smile. Right. Um, de- you know, it depends on the music I'm playing, but, you know, a lot of times if I'm playing, you know, in a an R&B or a funky type band, yep. I-, I love taking, uh, taking that out, like, I don't know, six or 800 hertz, like pulling a bit of that out. And it just, it makes, it makes the bass growl kind of come out a little bit right right yeah and then maybe just i might poke the highs up just a bit yeah and it's interesting because i was thinking about like when you think back to some you know really to to things that do go sideways like when it really goes bad and and a a lot of those for me is it is in that mid-range there's something weird about the the mids that doesn't work or if they just get drowned out or the highs get drowned out like a lot of it i think isn't isn't the eq um or you know just those kind of dramatic sounds that that just sit wrong yeah um but there are other things too like there's the uh i've had a couple of times where i'm competing with somebody else on stage like something's happening where it does i don't even know what the term is but i call it like the the frequency storm yeah where you get the the wah wah effect, like something is just someone's either out of tune or something's going on that it creates that, like in a certain part of your neck at a certain note, all of a sudden 
things are going in and out, right? There's like a natural, you'll find like a natural resonance, right? A natural, yes. there's like a frequency resonance that happens in certain spaces where, you know, the waves are meeting in a certain way. Some of it even depends on where you're actually standing. Like if you move a foot to the right or the left, right. it goes away. Right. The thing that I run into a lot of times is that the hollow stage effect, right? Yep. You get on a stage, the, you know, the underneath is hollow and, you know, suddenly like you're not turned up very high and the bass just sounds enormously boomy. Yep. Like out of control. And yeah. it's because really the the low end of the bass is carrying down into the wood of the stage and into the airspace yeah. under the stage. And you can feel it like almost rattle your feet. And, you know, it can, that can throw you too, right? Because your bandmates will think that you're too loud, but you're like, you can barely hear the mid range or the highs out of your amp because the lows are just like overwhelming it, right? Right. And then you lose all of your articulation and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you just feel like, and you start playing differently, right? You don't feel like you can dig in in certain parts because of the boominess. So, yeah, those yep. are the times where I might like, I might actually take some lows out of the, out of the bass. Um, yeah, and I started um, actually, uh, I have a makeshift sort of stand that I use because I found that that happens m more often than I'd like, and so I just bring with me, you know, a, a one foot lift that just takes my amp off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Just to purely avoid that. That's the, and the other thing about taking your amp off the floor that we should point out is that many times your volume or your sound is going to be influenced by where your amp is pointed, right? Yeah. If your amp is sitting on the floor, it's at best it might be pointing at like your knees, right? Right. Or your, you know, your posterior. Right. And and that's it. Now there is a there is a there is a nice thing about having like that bass kind of hit you in the in the booty like that. Sure. But at the same time, if you don't hear any definition, you know, one of the things to think about is can I move my amp in such a way that I'm hearing more of its sound at my ears? Right. right. I don't mean necessarily taking your entire bass amp and then putting it like you know lifting it three feet or four feet up, but if you can do you know either like a tilt back. Or just get it high enough that the vertical range of the sound is actually like part of it is getting your your ears. Yep. You'll hear your highs better. You'll hear that definition. And, you know, you play a little better because you can hear what you're doing. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, whether it's on the floor or, or raised a bit, the audience may not know the difference. But yeah. if you do, if it's in your head and you can't hear it, that's where... That's where, you know, trouble happens. Right. Right. Exactly. Then you feel like you're in the dark a bit. So in those situations, um, like when, when things do really go sideways, what are, what are some things that you shouldn't do? Like, what are the, the absolute, like, don't do this? Well, I guess, you know, everybody's got different rules about this. You know, I have a couple, one of them is don't, don't ignore your bandmates, right? If they're trying to let you know either during a song or after a song or something that, that something is wrong, you know, try and take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, that helps, it helps them understand that, you know, you care about their opinions, that you're, you know, you're trying to work with the group, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that kind of, that kind of attitude will go a long way, right? 
yeah. to help and ensure that you can keep a gig too, right? If this isn't your regular band, it's not right. guys that you're playing with all, all the time. You, know, you develop a certain chemistry with those people. But if this is a gig that you picked up, you want to make sure people understand that you're there to do your job. And if you're not performing satisfactorily in their mind, you want to fix that, right? Right. And you want to let them know that, you know, that that performance is important to you. Um, so I think that's one yeah. thing is just, you know, listen. Um, the second thing I think is just, you know, don't panic, right? It's it's really easy to let that throw you, but remember that, you know, it's we're talking about music here. It's not, it's live music. It's not heart surgery. Right. No one's going to die if you're a little boomy or right. if you're, you know, if your basis seems a little weak to you. Keep that in perspective and, you know, try to avoid getting into a space where you think so much about that, that you're like missing cues or not thinking about what you're doing. And yeah, it's, it's hard to do, right? I, I have this issue too, but it's something that I try and repeat to myself is, you know, it'll be okay, right? Just let's get a handle on what's going on here. Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> you're the bassist. Don't be sensitive. Right. No, but it's it's true. I think that, you know, that's a great point. And that's part of, I think for me, like what I struggle with is not necessarily taking myself too seriously, but to some extent, like, yeah, like it's not half the time that I think something is going wrong when I ask people, you know, friends that are maybe out listening or my bandmates, they don't even know that it's happening, which is crazy, right? Because for me, it's like a huge thing and- Right. It's not that big a deal at when the end you, of the day. Yeah. When you see someone else's perspective uh, or hear it, you know, you're, oh yeah, well, okay. All right. I get it. It's just me. <laughs> right. And so for me, like one of my rules is that I try to stick to is right in that same topic. Just don't obsess about it. Don't, don't get so drilled into that piece and it's going to be okay. Just get through it when you get a, like a, a, a good break that if it's not that big of a deal. Like if it's a big deal, yeah, deal with it and fix it. Like if there's no sound, take care of that because you don't want to play a set without sound. That right. would be a poor performance. You shouldn't. You, would, you shouldn't accept pay. You guys were great, but I couldn't hear the bass at all. <laughs> um, the other the other piece that I think is is important is to remember that when you uh you know in a gig when you are playing on a paid event, uh you you know you are being hired to do a job and part of that job is the performance and and the way that you put yourself out there so when something is wrong you know trying to avoid those like facial expressions or the body language that makes it look like the ship is sinking right because for the same reason that the audience probably doesn't even know that like your mids are not set right or the high end is getting rolled off or it's too boomy or whatever, or it, there's like some scratchiness or you're hitting a note in a certain part of your neck that's not like popping the way you would like, nobody really cares that much. Right. So don't ruin the experience of the viewers that are there to like, either they, they paid a cover to get there or that's their one night out to have that experience where they see a musician that's sort of down and out or struggling or that like mad scientist, like, you know, with the hair sticking up, like, ah, what's, what is this? It's not, that's not what you're paid to do. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with that. That's such a, 
That's such an insightful point. So of all the, you know, I mean, I know there's a multitude of different things that could go south, but um, just in general, what are some like appropriate steps that you take when you're playing live and something goes wrong? One of the things that I have really gotten into in the last, I'd say in the last five years, I've really gotten into active bases and because they give me like a measure of EQ control where I don't have to turn back to my amp and I don't have to kind of figure things out there. Yep. A lot of times nowadays, I I will flat my EQ on the amp more or less. Okay. And really control it from the bass. Yep. The first thing I do before I start playing with EQ or anything like that, right? Because usually I'll have the bass set and, you know, things will things will feel right there. And like I said, my amp is a lot of times it's flat, but even if it's not, if I'm playing a passive bass, before I start mucking around with the, the amp EQ, I first, I just look around. Is the amp positioned in a way that I can hear it where I'm standing on yeah. stage, right? Or have things moved around to where like I'm kind of standing to the side and I'm not really hearing the real true sound, sound of the amp. Is there is there a way that I should relocate to make that work or should I get the amp moved so that it's, hitting my ears a little better so I can really hear what's going on. Right. What's the audience hearing? Yep. Um, and sometimes I'll use stage monitors to, to my advantage there too, like run a direct signal. And then if there's a stage monitor that I have for my vocals or whatever, I'll put a little bass in there too. So that I'm not like, I'm not kind of, uh, worrying as much about where the amp is pointing or, you know, what the you know what sound is hitting my 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 head uh yeah because i'm using the monitor to kind of get some of it back to my ears right because you can't always rely on like your you can't rely on what you hear based on your uh where your amp is positioned on stage just like as if you're at a larger venue or an outdoor venue and if you were to fill a whole like big wide open space with your bass amp that's right behind you and that's it you're done like you're just gonna have to yeah. drown yourself out so that you can push your sound out there and you're only like two feet from your amp right you're gonna have natural problems so like just kind of keying in on what you're hearing and 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 if it's coming through the monitor or are you just using your amp simply as a monitor right and you're and everything else is going through the pa right yeah and then i think you know then there's the question of Oh, not even the sound is non-optimal, but now you're in the position where there's no sound, right, right? Right. Things are just missing. And, you know, the don't panic rule applies here, but I usually I'll just, I start with the bass. Yep. Just make sure things are good there. Most importantly. Right. The volume is, the is volume, turned up. It's the volume <laughs> I wish I could say I'd never made that mistake, but that no, has we, happened. Yeah. You laugh about it, but it, it. Sometimes it's the case. Yeah, I hope people in the audience are laughing too, and I hope that it never happens to you, but I promise it will. Um, so there is that, and make sure things are plugged in, right? And a lot of times I find that, like a cable has come unplugged. So I, you know, go from the bass. Is the bass plugged in? Is that plugged into the amp? Is, you know, or the effects pedals or whatever. Right. Right. And trace the chain. Just make sure yep. that the chain is not broken. And, you know, that includes not just you know, going to the effects and the effects up to the head or whatever the case might be, checking the effects loop if there is one, making sure that the speaker cable is 
is still good and attached right. and stuff. I recently had a jack, a speaker jack that went wonky. Right. And I thought I had destroyed my amp and, you know, my amp head, which, right. you know, was not cheap. And I was really getting upset about it, but it, while setting up for the gig, because I could, and then I- Also, I, it's also tough to fix at a gig. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is, that's the thing I was most worried about. Like, what am I going to do here? Like DI to the PA, that's right. it, that's it. Yeah. And um, it turned out that it was basically a pin or a contact in the jack was just- it just kind of gotten pushed back over years and just needed to be nudged back into place. Everything was okay. But you know, that was one of those things that, you know, it, it took some time to figure it out and just like being able to maintain calm, go through the chain, figure out all the possibilities, wiggle all the things properly. Yep. Right. Is, is important. Now doing that during a song is impossible, but um, you know, you have to do the right things at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and finally, I think if things, if something goes bad in the middle of a gig, like during the set, have an agreement with the drummer, like a signal to like keep the beat going, right? Because you don't want the audience yeah. to get annoyed by silence or, oh, I'm going to go piddle around with my equipment for 10 minutes on stage. That is absolutely the worst. Yeah. So having the drummer and the other musicians able to like, you know, have an agreement about what happens if, you know, if there's a failure. Yeah. I really like that. Like pre-establishing a, a, a plan B. Yeah. Cause for everybody is going to have everybody on stage. It'll, it'll happen. So yeah. like saying, Hey, if this ever happens, we should just, you know, this will be our cue. And then we just kind of keep rolling or just yeah. know that, know that this is happening. Yeah. And it's, it's rough when that happens with the bass player, right? Because you're so foundational to the sound of the band, but yeah, literally the bottom drops out. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is something that, that you, you have to be prepared for and, and cope with. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, the, the things that I do is, uh, you know, if something does go wrong first, you know, if I think that something is wrong because I'm, I'm always afraid that it's just in my head and I'm overthinking it is I'll, I'll quickly in between a song, you know, if it's mine or I'll ask a bandmate and I usually have one or two that I know that I can have a quick, like, How's, you know, am I too boomy? Is it weird? What's going on here? Do you hear anything funky going on with my bass? If they say no and they're on stage with me, then I know, all right, just chill out, relax. Yeah. Well, if it is a minor thing that I need to tweak, that's, that's my, that's me being particular. And I just have to wait till a set break to just like narrow that down. Um, but if things are severely wrong, I just, I do the zero out on all my EQ, everything on my bass, um, and you know, on any pedals that I have on any, um, on my amp and I just bring it all to, I bring it all to noon and then just do minor tweaks from there and kind of start from scratch. Um, but I also, um, I've learned to just, if, if something is like acting up, if it's, a, there's like something funky going on, um, I'll, I'll just immediately like drop back, kick my volume down, like just kind of exit a little bit. So I'm no longer like the big bass out in front. Yeah. Just, you know, take a, take a half step back. Um, you know, and of course, you know, just as you said, like if there's some buzzing or a hum or something weird, that's like a, some, some alternate noise that, that is not intended to be there. Uh, when I do get time, you know, at the next like convenient spot, checking cables, that's it. And a yeah. lot of times you just have an old, you know, 
you got an old power cord or something. Right. Or your get, battery's going bad. Or the battery. Or, or even in a pedal or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Or maybe it's my intonation. I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm the intonation guy. So yeah, I mean, it definitely pays, I think, to take those, to take those um, troubleshooting steps. I mean, do you ever get to the point though where like you you take this to maybe a like a crazy level like like you get to the point where you're you're thinking about the sound so much that it it's a detriment maybe to your to your playing yeah yeah even in in my example that that we started this off and it's you know the the learning for me was like okay the sound to me was like awful but no one really noticed it like my guitarist did notice it but the audience didn't and it's just a matter of it, it, it's it's a gig. It's a you know it's a musical event. At the end of the day, the people that are watching are just there to like enjoy and have fun. Like it's more important to interact with your you know with with your audience and with your bandmates than to than to just get like down this like you know down the rabbit hole of of negativity and bad thoughts about what your sound is and it's not how it needs to be. Yeah, so it it happens to me, and that's something that I continually work on to, you know, scoot past. Right, right, exactly. What about you? Um, so I, I guess I I don't like to get too obsessive about sound. Like I'll do that a lot at home, but I try to contain it at gigs. But you know, I also like to have a sound that that I feel really good about, and you know, on occasion, you know, have other bass players come up and say, oh man, your bass sounds great. Like that's, right. that's always nice. Like when you yep. hear that, you hear another player tell you they like your sound. Yep. That really means something. All the, you know, they could be like joking, like, I like your sound. Doesn't mean you played well, but I really like your sound. <laughs> it could be like <laughs> that's a backhanded right. compliment. Yeah. You have a great personality. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I think if, if, if I have a, if I can take just, you know, a decent bass and I've got an okay amp, with a, you know, if it sounds okay with a flat EQ, I, I probably can get what I would, what I like out of it. So, you know, again, I tend to control from the base and then that can be my concentration. And yeah. the worst thing that happens is like, if that goes wrong, I swap my base the yep. next song or whatever. Yep. Um, I really get more obsessive about um, recording because the show is ephemeral, right? The moment yeah. is there even the hour or two or three or four some nights, it's going to be gone, right? Yep. And it's not like anyone's going to tell how good your sound was with YouTube. So I don't really worry about that. <laughs> right. So unless the show is being recorded in some way, I, I don't really obsess too much about it because it'll be lost to the ages at the end of the night. And I think that's, the, again, that and the heart surgery thing, right? Yeah. Just keep it in perspective. Big picture. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's probably a good place to... Uh, to cut out for today um i uh, i hope you guys in the audience have enjoyed this discussion about what to do when your sound goes sideways this is just one of many episodes that are out there right now on the practical base uh, podcast site um, you can subscribe through the apple podcast amp just search for practical base you can subscribe the same way from Google Play Music or on Stitcher Radio or on your favorite podcatching app. You can also visit us on the web at practicalbase.com. If you would like to send us an email with a general comment, you're welcome to do that as well. 
uh, just email podcast at practicalbase.com and Dave and I read all your comments. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to hear about your uh, your pursuits in sound and what works for you and what doesn't. Have you run into a, a situation where you had to troubleshoot on stage? Let us know. You can also find us on social media and have the conversation there um, via Facebook or Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Google Plus, so there are no end of ways that you can get in touch with us. And uh, we will be back next week with another topic uh, of practical interest for you, the working bass player. And until then, I'm Paul Frields. I'm Dave Guzman. And this has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. basically like the mafia scene in uh rhode island yeah providence rhode island and it's a Pro- killer providence had a mob scene so bad that bulgy like whitey yeah white whitey yeah, bulger whitey bulger, whitey bulger reported <laughs> up bulgy. Bulgy. yeah I'm, I'm gonna get fucking knocked off <laughs> i'm saying that you're gonna get whacked i'm gonna get whacked <laughs>